Hi, this is LGBTQ and a I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this is a show where we get to know different members of the LGBTQ community. Today, I am very excited to talk with Alexandra Billings. Alex is best known for her work on the TV show Transparent. She also, fun fact, is the first openly trans person to play a trans character on TV or film. Stay tuned. Hey, Alex, how are you? I'm... <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. See, I'm fine. What if I just said that? What if just I said fine. nothing else? I'm fine. I mean, it's, it was like a If I said nothing question. else, I'm fine. <laughs> it's okay. Johnny Carson, way before your time, but Johnny Carson used to get, told this one story about, I think it was um, Alan Alda, who was like a great actor. And he said, somebody asked him, what was the weirdest interview you ever had? And he said with Alan Alda, because he gave one word answers to absolutely everything I asked. So how are you? Fine. Oh my god. What's going on at much? Well, so far you're acing this. Definitely. Am I? Yeah. Okay, oh <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So we are backstage right now at the LGBT Center. You are It's in... very glamorous, isn't it? It's so glamorous. Isn't it? Yes. It's this... like Zsa, Zsa Gabor's dressing room. <laughs> um, tell us what you're doing here though. You're doing a not a not a one woman show. There's mm. more people in it, but it's there... your life story. There is. Yes. It is. I mean, it's uh, yes. It's autobiographical, but there's also um it's the story of myself and my wife and how we met in, in 1976 in high school. And it's also the story of my parents and how they met in college in 1958. So we were all, the four of us were around the same age as when we all met and got married, weirdly. Oh, that's interesting. And isn't it bizarre? And then, my whole life is bizarre. And then, and continues to be bizarre, and then there's also the younger me, Scott, is also in it. So you have this relationship between myself and my wife Myself and my parents and myself and myself. Wow. How, so you met your wife in high school. I did. Have you dated her since then? Well, what do you mean? Uh, so uh, I, I, I asked that actually because I know that you've dealt with addiction and um, drug abuse yeah. and alcohol. Uh, did you, Were you dating her throughout that entire process? Well, dating. I mean, dating sounds like let's go to the movies, here's some flowers. Like, like we my hand. Oh, that's nice. We, I mean, we never lost touch. We were never away from each other, with the exception of maybe about a year or two when I began transitioning, which was in 1980, and I think, and she couldn't, she didn't know what to do with that, so we parted for about two years. But the, aside from that, we've always been together. Wow, and it, yeah. she came around to it, obviously. Obviously, yeah, and well, we moved in together, we decided to move in together, and then we had, it was not, it was terrible because we were in love with each other and we didn't know what to do with that either. So we had these huge arguments about like toast, like nothing. And then one day we had this big argument and I slammed the door. She tells this story much better than I do. And I slammed the door and she was on the other side of the door and she said, don't you know that I'm in love with you? And once she said that to me, all of the gender constraints went away. The rules didn't apply. And I thought, this is, I love her. So who cares? And I opened the door and I said, I love you too. And a year later we were married. Oh my God. We were talking about Jennifer Finney Boylan before and she has She's a story. so good. She is, yeah. Oh God. Um, but she's a story where she was fighting with her wife a couple years after their transition. They're still, you know, figuring out their marriage. And she just said, am I not me? Am I not me? Oh my God. And it kind of just stopped the conversation because her wife had to say, yeah, you are. Oh my God. 
Because she transitioned. They were married. They've been, they were married 12 years, husband and wife, and 18 wife and wife. See, that's unbelievable. That yes. wasn't, I mean, I don't, that wasn't true of us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love hearing stories about um, people like you, and because there's such a stigma around dating trans women. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really good for us to hear about women that are in like successful relationships. Well, I think you're right. And I think that's interesting that you bring that up, because usually we're fetishized. Yeah. And ostracization comes from any kind of otherness and so we're used as pornographic material or uh, you know we're not whole people I mean it's still true in Hollywood we're still not really whole people not not uh, on the large scale yeah and, until I mean, like, I'd say like four to five years ago it was like primarily only sex work on TV sex work or uh, I was constantly in the hospital like everything I did Grey's Anatomy I did I was constantly in the hospital I did a, a pilot called Nurses so I told my manager Billy Miller I said I can't be in a hospital gown anymore I can't do it first of all they're unattractive and second of all I can't do it anymore and I nothing happened for a while because really? that's, well that's really all there was we were either dying or visiting someone who's dying we were always in some kind of peril right that's fascinating and it's still sort of true Still. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. There are just more examples that are going the other way, thankfully. Yeah, there's more, but there's not nearly enough. No. no. In, in Transparent, which you're probably most known for, you are played the guiding character, the mentor. Yeah. Who did you have like that in your life? Oh, what a great question. Do you know, nobody's ever asked me that question. Really? No. Oh, I was actually embarrassed because I thought it was kind of like a No, that's easy really good. Oh, I love that question. Um, because it brings back a lot of memories. Um... I had two. One was uh, Chili Pepper, who is still at the Baton, which is where I worked for about four years, who gave me the greatest advice about everything, from towels to money. She would say to me, if you saved, <laughs> if you saved a dollar every single day out of in your life and just put it in your mattress, think how much money you'd have in 15 years. Like that kind of, you know the stuff your mother says. And then the other... Uh, human was is Diana McKay who's still in my life who really was my drag mother who who held me and cared for me and nurtured me and and was my educator and my 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 guide into the world of of trying to be human again she was the one who would constantly say no matter what happens to you act better than the people that are treating you badly uh, what do you mean by act uh, uh, human again I was so wrapped up in trying to pretend to be things, to fit into a container of what gender looked like, that I, I was just angry all the time to everyone. And she tried to get my feet into my humanness to, to say, you know, you really don't have to act anyway, you, in particular. Men don't have to light your cigarette. They don't have to open the door for you. They don't have to put on your, they don't have to do anything. You can do all that stuff yourself. That's very valuable to learn. Dodd, isn't it? Yeah. That's nice to have so many people from that generation that are still alive. Yes, thank God. Because there are so many that aren't. Right. And and I brought that up because when we talk about the AIDS epidemic, um, when we visualize, at least when I visualize in my head, you know, we don't hear about trans people. We don't hear about queer women. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like... I know that you had a relationship with Larry Kramer at one point. It went like a normal heart is the, you know the pristine example of the epidemic, and it's all white gay men. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's so important to remember that this thing affected our entire community. Oh yeah, not only that, and when it um, when it began, it began um, in such shame and such silence. You know the interesting thing about Larry is 
that during um, the uh, production of that show, there was a, it was done with a white, the original production was all white uh, background. The walls of the, of the stage were all white. And every night they would, in black marker, write names of the people who had died either that day or the previous week. And by the end of the run, the entire wall was filled with names. In those names were trans people, because I asked Larry about that years and years ago. And he said there were, the problem was, the movement included us, it just didn't bring us out. And I asked him once about ACT UP, this is when ACT UP was new and uh, just being birthed. And I said, I really want to march. I really want to be in the front lines with you. And he said, Alex, you can't do that. I said, why? And he said, because they, they won't take us seriously. I said, I don't understand what you're saying. It was the same thing that happened in the feminist movement, the exact same thing. They didn't want lesbians in the feminist movement. They wanted housewives in skirts and, you know what I'm saying, so that the general populace could go, oh, they deserve to have equal rights. That makes sense. But they didn't want militant revolutionaries in their movement. God forbid. It was a decision that was made. <clears throat> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It was calculated. Absolutely. I was there for it. I remember it. We were, we were systematically moved to the side of most every LGBT movement, when, especially in the early 70s. So did you end up marching? I did. And funnily, I was one of the few that when we began to picket the bathhouses and take it to the mayor and finally try to get President Reagan to open his eyes, I was one, I was with my sisters with signs and we were in the streets and there weren't a lot of us, but you know. Yeah. But you have to remember from Stonewall, we all the trans people in Stonewall kind of bled over. So they were still, you know, Sylvia was still speaking and so. Did you know those women? I didn't. I knew of them. I met Sylvia a couple of times. Wow. I, I knew of them. I, I have to wonder if, and correct me if I'm wrong, if an issue during that time was that labels were so much more flexible. So I would call you a queen. I'd mm -hmm. call myself a queen. I would mm -hmm. call my cisgender mother a queen. Mm -hmm. And when labels are not clearly defined, it makes it really hard to have legislation to protect people. Well, that's right, because then you can't. You have no idea what this tribe needs in order for them to survive and this tribe needs in order for them to survive because you put everybody in one great big thing. You know, it's like when people say, I don't see color. You know, when they look at somebody and they say, I don't see, you know, what they mean is, I see white. Everyone is white. Yes. Everyone to me is white. That's what they're saying. Because I've got that my whole life. And it doesn't acknowledge one's struggle. Wait, I'm sorry. Well, are, right. you, are you not white? I'm mixed. That's no, the I'm worst question I've ever asked on this podcast. Are you not white? <laughs> are you not white? <laughs> um, I sound white, don't I? Well, I've learned to talk white. I also speak jive. No, that's my I, big question for the interview. It's a great question. Don't erase that question. It's a great question. I get it a lot. I've got it my whole life. I'm mixed. I'm Native American and African American and Caucasian, so I have a lot of stuff going on inside me. Oh, wow. But most of my stuff is Native, Native American and African American. But that's been true my whole life. Oh, wow. So, you know, I bring this up only because when people say things like, like they say, I don't see your, when they talk to me, I don't see your transness. And I always say, if you don't see my color, you don't see my transness, then you don't see me. You see an idea of me. You see the thing through your lens that you want to project onto me. And that has nothing to do with me. I then disappear. So it's great that we're all humans and we all belong to the same family, which is true. Then we've got to acknowledge the individual. 
So when the movement was first happening, the trans people, we didn't exist. We didn't have any kind of leadership. So we're just now getting legislation. Right. And also during that time, a a small plus was it that it legitimized the gay community as an actual community right as it was not before and that would have been very beneficial for trans people well you're right about that you're exactly right about that and those people were smart brave courageous human beings that fought that fight yeah and and not to make excuses but i have to wonder that this was a life and death situation for for everybody people's friends and families were being wiped out Mm -hmm. when someone is grieving it is so easy to feel like your grief is the only one that exists oh absolutely and look we were all when this i was diagnosed in 1980 blah 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 what it was called grid and they said you know go home take some aspirin you'll be dead in a couple of years anyway so what's the max out your credit cards go to hawaii i mean that's what they told me so I've not only defied legislation, I've defied medical fucking science. Can I say fucking? Absolutely. God. After I said it. I said that, you know, fucking, and then I said, can I say it? Um, so not only was the movement young, but we were young. We were all in our 20s. So, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't have the knowledge that, we have, that comes with age, the wisdom that comes with age, to figure anything out. Everyone we knew was dying. Everyone. In the most horrible unimaginable ways. I see horror films now. They don't compare with what I went through in the 80s. I sewed up my best friend in her best sheet when she died, her body, because her parents wouldn't take her. None of her family would take her. And hospitals wouldn't take her. And they wouldn't bury her in a cemetery because she had this disease. And we left her body at the ER at Cook County Hospital. Left it there. Wow. This was the time, and this was what, so none of us were in our right minds. So when we talk about that time and we want to blame each other for something, it's a waste of time. We were doing the best we could with what we knew. That, that amount of trauma, how often do you think about that time? Like, how does it change you? Well, now, <laughs> I'm thinking about it all the time. Because of your play. Because of the play, and that's one of the reasons I don't do this kind of stuff very often. I mean, it's been two years since we did it, so I'm ready, but the next five weeks are hard. They're hard. I, that's another great question. I carry around a lot of loss. Not a lot of pain, but a lot of loss. And so (laughs) I can be, if I literally physically lose, like yesterday I lost my key, my mailbox key, and I stood in my lobby and wept for about five minutes. And I mean from my belly, just because it's a loss. So I'm very highly sensitive. I'm also highly sensitive to other people's loss. So if there's a thing in you, which there is, which I can feel, that comes at me very, very profoundly. Wow. Very deeply. And you said that they told you you had very little to live. Is it simply luck that you are still here? (laughs) Oh, that's my earring. Uh, it, do you know the first thing that came to me was yes. That's the first answer that came. Yeah, probably. I think a lot of it is luck. You know, genetics, luck of the draw, God, Allah, Buddha, I don't know, whatever you believe in. And then the rest of it is because I was loved wow. by my wife. Wow. Uh, we were talking about labels before. Uh, you were on the Phil Donahue show. 
many years I ago. Was, how did you know that? I know everything about you, Oh, Alex. my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. I bring and it. I had Triscuits with Marlo Thomas. <laughs> I just want to go on record as saying that. She and We're I had Triscuits so much. Fantastic. I bring it up because I believe you were uh, labeled as Alexandra Billings' female impersonator. Yes. So was that a label that you chose? Were you aware of your transness? I did. And actually, I was called Shantae at the time. Oh, really? That was my drag name, which I picked from the back of an album cover, an album, an actual album, called Flashdance. Because there was a song called... What was the song? Oh, shit. Oh, no, I don't remember the name of the song. But the singer was called Shantae with an I. And I used that for a while, and I put it in print, and it looked like Shanty. So I changed the I to an E and became Shantae. But yeah, that was the only thing we knew. We didn't know anything else to call ourselves. So we called ourselves, when we were performing, we called ourselves female impersonators. Wow. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It sounds very strange to say now. Yeah. But back then, that's that was the deal. So when did you, I, I guess, did you learn like transsexual first or transgender? We were called preoperative transsexuals. It was very clinical. It was very, very clinical. I know! It's a large title. How'd you like to have that on your driver's license? <laughs> it was a lot of words. And that, but that, everything was about our genitalia. Everything was about the surgeries. And so that's what we were called. Pre and post-op. Wow. Oh, which implies that you must get surgery. Correct. Wow. We've changed so much oh my since God. then. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God, yes. Now it's... We still have a long way to go. But. We've got a long way to go, but the, the the miles we've traveled. Yes, and I do not think it's insignificant that a young person can grow up and they're trying to figure out their experience of gender and this word transgender is available to them. That's right. It's a thing that can let them know that they're not alone. I agree with you. That's really smart what you just said. And also, I want to say this too. You know, uh, 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 there's a lot of talk about surgery now and should we talk about it and shouldn't we talk about it? And I, I, my feeling is, it's a very personal choice, but my feeling is the less, and my best friend, Honey West actually said this to me, who lives in Chicago, if you keep things mysterious, people will want to know more about it. So I'm not about having the conversation constantly, but I am about addressing the conversation and saying, you know what, I'm not ashamed of what I have and what I don't have. I used to be. I'm not anymore. So if it's something necessary, I really don't understand why it's necessary, but if it's necessary for you to know that, I'm okay with answering it. So you're like happy just like to move on. Yeah. Okay. Like, let's talk about it for a second, and then let's talk about, you know, yeah, something else. You've described being trans as a gift, and I want to know how long it took you to get to that place. Oh, well, let's see. I'm 55. Last week, probably. <laughs> new. That's new. I mean, that, you know, my, I still carry around some shame in my life. I mean, you know, I'm working on stuff. But I, I feel like if I, wasn't, if I wasn't blessed being in this body, this duality that I'm in, I don't think I would have seen the kind of world that I've seen or met the kind of people like you. And like, I mean, like, this is great. This is amazing that this is happening. It's true. And that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have been with Billy. Like, we wouldn't be friends. I wouldn't have these humans in my life that are doing this show. And it's not about the show. It's about being together and telling a story of a, of, of a tribe of people that goes back and, and steeped in history. And steeped in your own family history as well. I know. How'd you know that? <laughs> you are a freak. Um, for the people who don't know. Oh my God. Your great-great-grandmother yeah. was, I guess we would say, was assigned male birth, was Correct. your great-great-grandfather. Correct. 
Do you feel a like mystical connection to her? Yes, very much. Very much. And I feel I feel her with me uh, all the time. All the time. Yes. What was her name? Rebecca. Okay. Was she a part of the Native American lineage? Yes. Oh, really? I know. Which oh. is also interesting because then that harkens back to the two-spirited people and to, so that it sort of made sense to me. Wow. That she was this type of human being. And are you a spiritual person? Very. Um, what Are you able to put a name to it? Is it God? Is it the universe? Energy? It changes. <laughs> sometimes daily. Sometimes, you know, like, it, I think it depends. I'm not one of those people that prays for parking. Like, I don't do that. You know, I'm like, dear God, let me find a parking space. Like, I don't do that. Uh, but I do, I do pray for guidance and I pray for ease and breath and I pray for kindness. I do that a lot especially for myself, to be kind to other people. I pray for that a lot. I love that. I think that's such a nice place to leave it. Um, how long does the show run at the LGBT Center? I have no idea. Okay, well, it's in Los Angeles. <laughs> people can look at their website. Yeah, okay, good. Um, and if they want to find out more about you, should we send them to, I know you're active on Instagram, maybe your website. I am. Yes. I'm all over the Instagram. Okay. Just, and I'm all over the Facebook. Just Google her name. Oh my, You'll Google the out. hell out of me. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter at JeffMasters1. Um, feel free to tweet at us and recommend other guests. Yeah. That's me, as goes Alexandra, though. That's a good idea. And if you want any of our more interviews, they're on iTunes and, of course, YouTube. We'll see you next week. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 